Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Who's feeling good? Who's feeling busy leading into Christmas? Who's not feeling busy? Who doesn't want to answer the question? (laughs) Um, Tonight, in a break from our um, Sermon on the Mount, um, I just wanted to maybe connect in a bit with the season of Advent, which I wasn't here last week, but I think um, I can see all our beautiful wreaths that are around the church where we engaged or you engaged with some of the themes of Advent. Peace, joy, can't read that one, faithfulness and hope. And Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of expectation. It's a season where we enter in, in some ways, to that sense that while for us Christ has come, we are still longing for Christ to be born in us, in our world, that we say there is more. And we echo the words that we find at the end of the Bible, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come in our world come in our families, come in our churches, in that we recognise that while in some way, like when Jesus came and he changed the nature of history, yet the unfolding of that is still being outworked in our world and so we say come. And so I just want us to um, maybe be a little bit more reflective together tonight on that theme and my prayer really is that you, you would really... Um, hear something from God tonight. In the midst of what is often quite a busy season, quite a lot of rushing, a lot of busyness, that tonight might just be a moment in this week and beginning of next week that you just actually get to pause and draw near to God in your heart and that God might actually have something to say to you to encourage you and to bless you. Um, So that's my prayer. So maybe before we go any further, how about we just take a moment and just close your eyes. And what I'd like you to do, and everyone's got their eyes closed, so no one's looking at you, and so, well, it's not too weird, but I just want you to hold out your two hands in front of you. open, open-handed. And Jesus, we just say we are open-handed tonight and we are open-hearted tonight and we long to experience you and to become more aware of your presence that always dwells within us. Lord, we know there is nowhere we can go from your presence. You live, you abide, you dwell in us. But we are so forgetful, Lord. So remind us tonight, Holy Spirit, that there is a deep well within us.
out of all the joys and the thoughts and the chaos and the busyness, would you rise to the surface, Jesus, and speak to us this afternoon? Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of time to reflect on a picture together tonight. So here you go. Take one and pass it along. And the picture's up there, but I've actually printed off some for you to look a little bit closer at and to take home if you wish. So this is a crayon and pencil drawing done by Sister Grace Remington. And if you look over, it will be somewhat familiar to you because in these modern-day icons that we have on our walls, Scott Erickson actually did a, a modern-day rendition of this, even though this isn't actually that old. So this is the original one that I think she drew in 2003. She's a cloistered contemplative nun in Iowa. So what that means is basically she doesn't see or talk to anyone. She just spends her time praying um, and drawing. No, this, I think this is one of the only, this is one of the only artworks you can find of hers. So she, she drew this and um, it's a, a picture of Eve and of Mary together. And before I go on to talk a little bit about this, I just want to give you a moment a minute or so of just peace for you to actually just look at this. Um, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you look at this picture and then just see what you notice and see what comes out for you. Do we have enough? Is, there, what, is everyone happy? There's a few spares if anyone's... There's, anyway, there's more. So just take a moment and um, have a look. There are many things to notice in this quite, even quite simple um, drawing and it has, I think, really wonderful meaning and encounter for us in this Advent season. And so I, I just want to talk about it a little bit and not with the aim that you would study this artwork and have something to say but just in the aim that it might, through this, the Holy Spirit might speak to you. Um, <coughs> I might actually be turning around a bit tonight and I am dirty, just letting you know that I do know that. I don't know why. I didn't know that before I arrived until someone said, you're really dirty. I think we were putting up Christmas lights and I was tying things on trees today and obviously at some point I've lent against... Um, so it's all right, I know. And I'll have to go home and soak my white shirt. But anyway, all good. <laughs> um, I love the garden imagery in this. These two women are clearly standing in a garden. And when you know the story of God, uh, you know that creation starts in a garden and new creation continues in a garden. Or perhaps we could say resurrection starts in a garden. And there's often garden imagery throughout our scriptures. And so we find these two women standing together in a garden. And we have Eve, who is the mother of all humanity. She's the symbol of the motherhood of humanity in our scriptures. 
And in many ways, she's also symbolic in humanity of all that is broken and lost. And then we have Mary, who is the mother of the new Adam, to use Paul's language, this new Adam who's come to restore and to redeem everything that's lost and broken. And so more than these two women being like historical figures, maybe one isn't and the other one is, maybe they both are, they represent in this picture kind of like the motherhood of brokenness and the motherhood of restoration. Meeting together. I find it interesting the way that sin is pictured in different ways in this drawing. So we have the serpent that Mary's foot is crushing, which of course refers to that prophecy we find in Genesis chapter 3, where God is actually speaking to the serpent. And he says, you will strike the heel, but your head will be crushed. And so we have Mary, the mother of the crusher, (laughs) standing on the head of the snake. But I also find it interesting how the serpent is kind of wrapped around Eve's feet. And I, when I look at that, I guess I'm just reminded about how sin and brokenness just often trips us up without in our knowledge or intention, you know? Like there is just mess and brokenness in this world. And you don't have to walk very far through life to find your feet entangled with either your own sin and brokenness or with the sin and brokenness of others or this world. And so we see in Eve the symbol of all that's gone wrong, just this unintentional consequences of the brokenness of humanity that wraps itself around us in ways we find hard to untangle ourselves from. But the other place, I guess, that sin is in this picture is in the way that Eve is clutching the bitten fruit. And it's quite interesting that she's, she's doing that. She's like she's holding it to her, to her chest. And I just, I guess I'm just struck by that notion that for, for all of us in varying ways, how often we cling to our own brokenness or to our own sin, even in the face of grace or potential rebellion, not rebellion, redemption, we often cling to that which breaks us. And it's not that easy to get away from sin. Often we find it tripping us up or we know, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll notice the way we cling to things that aren't good for us behaviours, habits, patterns, things that we wish we didn't do but we find ourselves doing. And so we find sort of this image that 
sin is not just something that is accidental and is wrapped around us, but we have to own the fact that often we embrace the things that destroy us, even when the offer of mercy and grace is standing in front of us. I really find that interesting. Garrett Johnson says, Sin has a strange effect on us. Up front, it offers us everything. In the end, however, it leaves us only shame and frustration. Still, for some bizarre reason, we tend to hold on to it. It is like an itch that we cannot ignore, a scab that we continue to pick at. Even standing before those that could heal us, we are often reluctant to allow them to see our struggles. This is the sin, this is the sin and the brokenness of the world and this is like the sin and brokenness of each one of us. That in all of us, in some ways, we are Eve. Caught up in the brokenness. I love the, the faces, the looks, the gaze between these two women. We see Eve's head, which is like lowered in sadness, in shame. I mean, we see her whole body covered not by clothing but by her hair. And you can imagine that it's like she's forgotten what it's like to be able to lift her head. Sin does that to us. Sin provokes a forgetfulness in us where we forget who we are. We forget actually that even in our brokenness we are still the beloved of God. And for those of us in Christ, there is no condemnation. But in our own relationships with God, we still find often our heads lowered ourselves caught up in shame, in condemnation. It's like, which one is it? Whose baby? Not mine. No, you're good. So we see this in Eve. And I, I, um, I feel like I know that look on Eve's face. Um, sometimes I see it in my children. It's like, it's like when they've done something wrong and they know they've done something wrong, but they're looking to me hoping that it'll be okay. And it's almost like I see in... Because she kind of... She's got her eyebrows raised and it's almost like she's looking towards Mary, just like hoping that something is going to be okay. But for her, for me, when I look at this, I feel like Eve's hope's ungrounded. It's like this ungrounded hope. It's just this sort of wish that maybe actually something's going to be okay, but I can't even look at you and I can't even lift my head. And all I can do is clutch my own brokenness to my chest and hope that somehow this might be different. That's what I kind of see in this posture in Eve. I wish, is it possible that there might be acceptance. It's like there's this longing in the face of Eve, even though she can't really look properly at Mary. And then when we look at the face of Mary, we just see compassion and tenderness. Like no judgment, no 
disappointment, just compassion and tenderness. And there's this beautiful intimacy in the way that Mary's hand is caressing the cheek of Eve. It's like even in the way that Eve can't even look Mary in the eye, can't look grace in the eye, can't look redemption in the eye, can't look hope in the eye. Hope and grace and redemption reach out and caress her downcast face. And her other hand, she's grasped Eve's hand and she's placed it on her pregnant belly. And there's this tangible touch of like hope. It's like she's saying to Eve, can't you feel even, can you not even feel that beneath my skin hope is alive? Redemption is here. Grace is yours. He's coming. He's about to come. This is hope. Can you feel it? Scott Erickson about this artwork said, it's like there's a hidden manifestation of restoring hope growing in Mary's womb. A hidden manifestation of restoring hope growing in Mary's womb. I love this picture. I've often looked at this original. I love the more sketched out version over there. I love that how it's full of vibrancy. I love the idea that these two women might meet one day. I love the good news of healing and restoration we see here. And it's like the very first no to God is being swallowed by the resounding yes. That's what I see in this picture. Eve, the mother of the no, is being restored by Mary, the mother of the yes. Let it be to me as you said. This is like the no and the yes meeting in grace. But as I've been looking at this picture and thinking about it in this Advent season, probably out of just my own self and where I'm at and out of the world and the way I see things, I think what's really struck me most about this picture is the nature of the hidden hope that's here. Because it's, there is hope. It's like the saviour of the world is in Mary's belly. And we know that because it's symbolic and we understand it. But it's, it's not like in the background of this picture we have Jesus riding on an all-conquering horse coming in to save the day. It's not like visible, powerful, going to save the world kind of hope. It's like hidden in the darkness of a womb kind of hope. It, that feels different to me. It's like the pregnant belly is the symbol of the yes but the not yet. And that's Advent. That's like the yes, Lord Jesus, you have come and we trust that you've changed things. But when we look around, we know the not yet of God's power. 
And that pregnant belly, the symbol of life, but it's growing in the darkness and it's a symbol of like powerless trust. Like Mary is hosting a baby, but she's not really doing anything to make it grow other than being alive herself. It's the growing of things that you have no control over. It's the unseen, the hidden, the unknown, but the coming and soon to arrive. That's what pregnancy is. Like. And so I feel like I connect with this because I long for things in my own life to be different, whether it's stuff I'm wrestling with, thought patterns I wish would change, I don't know, lots of things that I'm trusting somehow in the, the hidden work of grace in my own life. But sometimes it does feel like I'm just putting my hand on a pregnant belly and hoping for the best because I can't quite see yet that which is coming. And I feel like that in our world, when our state is on fire. And I'm longing for a government and for industry and for business to wake up and to love this God-created world and to treat it with dignity and respect and put creation over profit. But it feels often like a hidden hope because I can't yet see the way that could unfold. And when we read in the news this week about the Medivac, you know, law being repealed, for me, it's another symbol of hidden hope Hope that we as a country would actually have the humanity and the compassion to be dignified to those who are seeking refuge. And not, you know, we're not even really that good at it. At least we could, like, make sure they don't die. But we're not even doing, like, I feel like, come, Lord Jesus, come. Like, come, Lord Jesus, come. Like, it feels like a hidden hope sometimes. It feels like, there is something that's coming, but I can't quite see it. It feels like it's in the darkness and it's unknown and it's hidden and I'm trusting, but I still wonder. And so I wonder for you sitting here this afternoon, where in your life you feel like that? You know, what is it that you are hopeful for, that you are longing for, that you can't yet see? Whether or not that's personal for your own life, things in you, that you want to see submitted to Christ and changed, new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, but you still feel a bit like I'm pregnant with something and I can't yet see what it is. Maybe there's something in the people around you, your kids, your partner, your friends that you're longing for. Maybe there's stuff in this world that you see and you're longing for something different, but we we can't yet see it. This is Advent. This is when we pay attention to the longing that swells within us and the acknowledgement that it hasn't yet arrived. And we, we be both Eve and Mary in that we encounter our own brokenness and our own longing and we also as far as we can, grab the hands of one another and put it on life and say, it will come. It is growing. You may not see it, but it will come. 
Jesus will come. Having birthed three children as a mother, I know what it feels like in my body, that feeling of growing hope, like literally, not metaphorically, like the growing hope of the heart. I mean like the actual growing hope of the body. Um, The anticipation, the preparation, the waiting, the advent. A lira is a symbol to us right now of everything that advent is about. The growing belly, the swelling womb, the thing that is alive in her that she has no control over, the thing that's doing things to her body that she cannot manipulate. That's, that's a reality for pregnancy. And I know, like, for me being pregnant, it wasn't a comfortable experience. I was not one of those glowing pregnant women. I was one of those vomiting, dying-looking pregnant women. And so I'm really aware that, like, you know, when we talk about hope and we look at pregnant bellies and, oh, can you put your hand on it, feel it kick, and all our hearts leap with joy and we think grace is here. And it's like that actually that is not really always how it feels. To be pregnant with with a person. And let's be honest, it's not how it feels to be pregnant with hope when it comes to our Jesus. It's actually uncomfortable. You are stretched when you're pregnant. You're exhausted. And you're kicked in ways that you don't appreciate. That's the... that's. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful and la la la. But you know, like, it can actually be awful. You can get weird things that never happen to you in any other situation, like reflux and itchy all over your body. We, things happen, things leak. So it's, it's not pretty being pregnant. You get stretch marks if you're prone to stretch. Like, if, I'm not going to show you because that would not be PG, but I'm covered in stretch marks. Like, where my skin thought, yeah, I'm growing something, and then was just like, nah, break. <laughs> like, my, and so every, you know, every day I can look at myself, at my body, and see the evidence of stretching and skin breaking in order to house hope and new life. And you end up different when you've done this. And it's not easy to carry hope for yourself or for others. It's much easier to just choose for cynicism and despair or low-level, yeah, maybe. That's, that's much easier than choosing to be a person who will hope and trust in the darkness. And that's a tension we have to wrestle with in our lives. Like, where do we land on the side of cynicism and despair? And how much will we allow hope to grow in us for the things of God, things of Jesus' kingdom to come make a way in us and our world, even if it stretches us to the point of breaking and kicks us and makes us uncomfortable? Hope can exhaust you. Hope can leave you aching in places you wish you weren't aching. It might look lovely 
but it's not really always lovely to choose to be an Advent person, one of audacious hope. Because hope might require things of you that you didn't know it would. And your soul may end up with stretch marks. And then when it comes time for new life to be born and for hope to be birthed, you're going to have to participate in the process. And it will probably hurt some more, unless you're some kind of tantric birth person. I haven't met one. I've just heard rumours. And I don't believe them, Becca, do you? No. (laughs) This is Advent. This is how it feels sometimes when we look at ourselves, when we look at each other, when we look at our world and we're honest enough to say, this is not the way it should be. This doesn't look like, sound like or feel like what I think God has in his goodness for us. And in that place we choose to hope and be stretched or to give up and settle for despair or cynicism. And I know both of those feelings in my own life. Paul did some amazing writing and um, in Romans chapter 8 he he wrote and he uses the, the metaphor of being pregnant when he's talking about new creation. And I just want to read Eugene Peterson's translation of it because it's really quite beautiful and it works in with this whole idea of hope. All around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing within We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. Stand up, Alira. Are you diminished right now? Give us a good look. Yes, you have to. Look, there is nothing diminished about Alira. In her waiting and her anticipation, she's blooming and suffering maybe at the same time. We are enlarged. I See, I stopped before I said the enlarged bit, Alira. Yeah, yeah. We, we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us 
far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And this is what I want you to know tonight, that even if in your waiting, that thing you would be honest about, that you're longing for, even if you're getting tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is praying in you with wordless groans. And he takes all of your tears and all of your sighs and all of your I don't knows and all of the when is it going to be betters and where are you gods and it looks like you're nowhere God and you're hidden. He takes all of that and turns it into prayer. Isn't that wonderful? As we look at that picture... I wonder what it would look like for you this week to know that it's God that touches your face. That he would, however tired or shame-filled or sad or exhausted or just plain empty you are, that it would be the hand of God that would reach out and touch the side of your face. And that the Holy Spirit would grab your other hand and he would somehow place it on the metaphorical womb of God in this world and say, can you trust? Will you trust? Will you trust even in the darkness and know that I've got this, that I've got you, that I've got your life and I've got your world, I've got your family, I've got this country. But there is always hidden hope. I wanted to finish tonight by coming to the table together. Because if you are like me and in this season of Advent connect with the how long, oh Lord, how long? Or if you have sometimes questions and doubts about where God is and what he's doing and is he at work and where are you, God? Coming to the table is really helpful when you're in that state. There's The reason they call communion a sacrament is that a sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible grace. And so when we come to the table, what we're seeing is we see bread and we know that that's Jesus. And we see wine and juice and we know that in his blood is the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes we can't see Jesus at work in our world or in ourselves and sometimes we can't really quite get in touch with the redemptive work that God is doing in our land but this is a visible sign of the invisible grace that God is indeed at work 
This is the pregnant belly, the sign that there is life and it is growing and it is at work in you and in your world. And when we eat and when we drink and we do those very ordinary and everyday things, they are tangible reminders to our physical bodies as well as our souls that Jesus indeed is alive. And it's an invitation to trust that as we eat and as we drink that he is indeed in us and going to be coming forth into our world. And so what I'd like us to do is to come and take these visible signs of invisible grace. And while we do that, Brian and Jess are going to sing us a song. What I'd like you to do is this. I'd like you to come up and receive. There's no kids, so we can all, like Saxon, you qualify old enough to not be hard of waiting. Um, But I think it would be really great for us not not to eat it just yet. Um, Just go back and sit down. We'll take it together. And um, just let this be a symbol for us. And so in your longing, in that which you hope for, in all the ways you feel like Eve, let this be a symbol to you of hope. Let this be the hand of God on your face and your hand on the belly of God saying, there's life and it's coming. There's hope but it will be birthed. Stay waiting You won't be diminished, you'll be enlarged. You may stretch, bits of you may break, but it's okay. Hope is good and we can hope. So let's come and receive communion. Let's just hold these in our hands and let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we trust in you. Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who is, and who is to come, we trust in you. We've got crumbs on our hands and the cool glass of a cup in our hands. And we hold these visible signs of invisible grace, your gift to us, Lord Jesus. And so as we eat and as we drink, Jesus, we say we trust even in the darkness. We trust even if new life feels unseen. We trust that even in the hidden places, your grace is at work in us and in our world. And we say, would you help us to hope, Holy Spirit? And when we run out of steam and feel like there's no hope left, would we trust that you, Holy Spirit, are praying with our sighs and our questions and our doubts and turning all of that 
into intercession to God. Help us, God. We need you. And help us know that as we eat and as we drink and then as we go forth from this place, that day by day, your kingdom, Jesus, is being birthed in the everyday and the ordinary of our lives. Help us to trust that with our participation, this kingdom of love is alive and thriving and coming in new ways that are unexpected to us. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Say it with me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come in me. Come in us. Come in our world. We long for you. Amen. Let us eat and let us drink. Just in finish, I want to you know, acknowledge to you that like all of us, there are sometimes parts of me that are really like Eve, where I feel like I'm so aware of my own brokenness and the way it trips me up and I'm aware of the way that I'm aware of that my sin and my brokenness often feel so close to my chest, whether I'm clutching them there or whether or not they're just a big part of who I am. And that we are all like that. We all have times when if we were honest, we'd say we're more Eve in that picture than we are Mary. We're more burnt out on hope than we are full of expectation. That we're more full of doubt and questions and the shaking fist at the heavens that says why than we are, hallelujah, praise the Lord's. And it's times like that in my life that I need the Marys to come along who grab my hand and place it on top of life and be hope for me. And so I just want to say to you tonight that if you feel a lot like Eve sitting here this afternoon and you need a Mary to pray with you and to have enough hope for you, then don't leave without grabbing someone who can grab your hand and place it on their pregnant belly and pray with you because when we feel like Eve, we need the Marys of community to help us because we're not meant to do this thing alone. And so I'm going to linger out here, but you don't have to come to me for prayer. There's Marys sitting all over the place. Not literally, no one here is called Mary. But let someone pray for you if you need that tonight. So we need to do that for one another. And bless you as you go. As you go through the rush of this week, may some parts of you feel pregnant with hope and in the busyness and the tying up of loose ends and the ending of things and the partying and the buying of presents and the hanging of Christmas decorations. May you feel awake and alive to the new life that is in you, even if you can't see it.
So go and be blessed by grace and by new life and by God. Amen? Amen. Have a good week. Ask someone for prayer if you need. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. Ha, ha, ha.